0: Welcome to the Gateway Church podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I need you to find one person, one person. Everybody stand up, obey instructions. All right, find one person. I need you to be in this moment be present. I need you to tell that person, look them in the eyes and tell them, I was born for greatness. Do that right now. Look at somebody, look them in the eyes, <laughs> declare it to them. All right. Let them declare it to you online. Tell somebody, text somebody. You guys can have a seat. Listen, that is, that's not a hype statement. That is not a pipe dream That is your and my spiritual birthright. That's our spiritual DNA is greatness. Jesus said this in John 14, 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will be able to do what I have done, but they will do even greater things. Someone say greater. Greater. Because I'll return to be with the Father. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were arguing about who was going to be great who was going to sit at the right hand, the place of honor in the father. And Jesus didn't correct them for wanting to be great. He corrected them in how they wanted to accomplish it. And he told them to be great is something that you and I should desire in our hearts, but the way we accomplish it is according to his word, his way. His works. And so if you've come in or you're watching online, you've come in and you have shrunk away from this innate desire for significance and greatness, I just want to tell you, you stepped into the enemy's trap. You've been listening to the whispers of the one who wants to deceive you and distract you, but you and I, we were created for greatness. It's all over scripture. God tells Abraham, he tells David, and so I want to remind us, I want to encourage us, I want to stir our hearts. I'm not here to put a depth charge or a stick of dynamite in you. God did that because the spirit of the living God lives in you. I just want to light the wick. I just want to light the wick today. I want to do something that comes up in scripture. Three words that I find that are significant all throughout the text. Awaken. Remember. Surrender. Surrender. Awaken, remember, surrender. Those are are important. Awaken to greatness. Remember in whose image you're made that you're a divine masterpiece. Surrender to the process and the way that God wants to shape and develop you. All of us, all of us have been impacted. I like one doctor's definition of trauma. He simply says trauma is... Disconnection from your true authentic self. You don't have to have these horrible events in your life to experience trauma. It's just when you disconnect from your true self. Maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe something happened, something was said, spoken, whatever happened that disconnected you from your true self. And God wants to restore that. As one person said, there's four characters in every story, every great story. There's a victim. There's a villain, there's a hero, and there's a guide. Which one were you this week? Which one were you the last few months? Right? And then which one is God in the story? Which one is Jesus in the story? The one in whose image and character and characteristics we're trying to become like. I I would say, not the victim, not the villain. I'd say he's the hero. And the guide. And we're to be like him. I like what Dallas Willard said. He said, disciples of Jesus are those who are with him. Learning to be like him. That is, they are learning to lead their life, their actual existence, as he would lead their life if he were they. Not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he was living my life? What does a single celibate, jewish traveling teacher have to do with anything well he's the master of life and when you put his way his word his works into the context of him as hero and guide it begins to make sense he has rhythms he has habits he's created to redeem and to restore and you're made in his image paul writes to timothy and this is a good frame for today I want to encourage us in, when we walk through these doors and into environments like this where we come corporately, uh, Paul tells Timothy that there's going to, to be a couple of things that you need to fully transform, for transformation. You need to think deeply, and you need to train intentionally. That's transformation. If you have one without the other, there's no transformation. If you just come and think, and you've been coming for years, just, huh, this is great information. And there's no training, no transforming. If you just train, and maybe you build a legal list, become a legalist, and there's no thinking deeply in your heart and in your mind, there's no transformation. But Paul writes to to Timothy, his spiritual son, and he says, listen, if you want to get breakthrough. You're going to need to develop the skills of a soldier and an athlete. 2 Timothy 2. Ephesians 6. 2 Timothy 10. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. The most used analogy for believers, for followers of Jesus, in Scripture is a soldier. Well, Brad, I don't like that. I'm sorry. Take it up with the one who penned this book. Who inspired. Well... One of the ways that I like to develop is by watching documentaries about soldiers and athletes. Anybody else? Now, I do that, three of us. I do that not because I'm going to enlist in the armed services. And for those of you who have served, thank you. But I'm saying, like, I'm not going into a physical battle, but I am in a spiritual battle. And if I'll see those characteristics in soldiers and athletes, then I understand just the same way that they train with their weapon, I train with mine. The same way I was watching a, uh, a documentary on the, uh, a sniper in the British uh, services who, ha- who made the longest shot, and won't go into all that, but he tells a story of laying in his position in Afghanistan 10 days without moving. 10 days he doesn't move. And I'm thinking to myself, what does this have to do with how I can train and develop? That's very practical, right? So to get breakthrough, we have to develop those skills. To live in the blessing, we develop the skills of a farmer and even an engineer. But we develop skills like a farmer, sow seed, cultivate the soil, water, ensure that it has the proper climate. Proper sunlight, right? These are so practical. And sometimes we, we miss that. There's roles and responsibilities. So we come today to think and to train. Let's start off in Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8. Because I believe I have a right now for us in this season, in this moment of time word. And God speaks to Moses who is at Mount Horeb. He's in the presence of the Lord. And God says, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go, look, I am giving all this land to you. So God tells him, it's time to get moving. It's time to move forward. I have land, the promised land for you to take. And I believe that God has placed us at a specific moment in time, at a specific place and gathered us together because it's time for us to start moving with him. I'm praying, as many of you probably are, for a move of God, but I'm, but I'm also praying for a move with God. The greatest move that has ever taken place scripturally is the death, burial, and triumphant resurrection of Jesus. I don't need another move because that move moves me to start moving, if that made sense. So, my word for us for this season in 2022... Is, is a word that we need to steward in this season. And we have laid some foundation over the last several months and several years. Preston right now started the year in a deeply theological series on first love again. And it's, it is a feast. Understanding God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, right? But before that was 12 weeks of a, a series titled Resilient. And even as we go back and we see in a house where we prize God's word, where God speaks, don't just come in aimlessly, not connecting dots. Be a scribe, a steward, what God is saying so that you can seize where he's placed you, why he's placed you there. And sometimes because we're not stewarding that way, we miss the forming, the shaping, the mission, the purpose, the fruitfulness, not just the faithfulness, but the fruitfulness that God is calling us to. So here's the title. (laughs) That was a long buildup. Here's the title of my my message today. We're going somewhere. We must be aware. We're going somewhere. We must be aware. You can open up your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 Chronicles 12. But this concept of dying to self is all throughout Scripture. And I want to just help us a little bit, because the self that needs to die is the identification or the manufactured person that is devoid of any divine connection. It's devoid of any conversation with the creator. Anything that you've manufactured to basically provide, this is, this is who I am, this is my worth, this is my value, this provides me security, this provides me a, a, a sense of acceptance, that's devoid of the creator and his connection, is the self. Accomplishments aren't bad, but if they define who you are devoid of what God says about you, they're just idols. And all I, an idol is is just intimacy with an image. But when connected to the source of life, they become powerful. And God's desire is that the self, which isn't something to be scared of, just something to be aware of, it, it, it needs to die And the true self, the authentic self that God created you to be, is to rise. It is to be the thing that comes to the surface, comes to the top, so that you can lead. And I find in 1 Corinthians 12 an encouraging word here. The warriors are joining David's army. There is a succession taking place between King David and King Saul. So These warriors are coming together, they're seeing the hand of God on David's lives, and so it's describing that. So in the first 22 verses are these mighty warriors who are joining David in the wilderness, and then it concludes with a list of those who turned from the kingdom of Saul over to David at Hebron. But in the the last part, there's there's a list of These leaders from Issachar, 200 leaders from Issachar, and it describes them in verse 32. And here's what it says. It says there was 200 leaders from Issachar. They knew what Israel should do. Some of your translations will say they understood the times. They knew what Israel should do, and they knew the right time to do it. The relatives were with them and under their command. So three things here. Three things, a word for us in this season of time, They had understanding of the times. They understood the moment, the day, the hour, the climate, the culture. They understood the situation. They were aware of an inward witness. They understood the times. I believe right now God is asking for us, church, collectively, to understand the times. Number two, they knew what to do. They knew how to act. They knew what to draw upon. They were training in such a way that their skills were now coming to the forefront at a specific moment of time. They knew what to do. And then third, they knew the right time to do it. See, I don't just believe this. I have read it in the text. I've proved it in my life. I see it with my spiritual eyes for each of you that God has incredible. He has inconceivable, indescribable intention and design for your life. What he's created you for is amazing, it is magnificent, it is glorious, it is breathtaking. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece, his masterpiece, not your masterpiece, but his masterpiece because he has something for us at a specific place in a specific time. And so in 2022, I believe it's time for us to quit wasting time. For us to mold and to shape and to train and to take the place that God has prepared for us as he's gathered us in specific cities and neighborhoods, in a specific church corporately to begin to disrupt us so that we can live out the divine design that he has on our lives. To break out of what we have got anesthetized into as normal and to start to walk in the super. Natural, the thing in which he created us. But how? How can we become like these leaders of Issachar? It's found in the word awareness. Awareness, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believe everything, but the clever, the sharp, the talented, those who advance the kingdom, those are the ones who consider their steps. Consider their steps. Come into this space and you think. Each time God is speaking, we we receive that and then we think about how we'll move that into our Monday and our Tuesday as we train to become like him. I love how the CIA and law enforcement, special forces and soldiers uh, train to raise their situational situational awareness levels uh, for them to be observant and understand uh, and, and and develop the ability to identify. It's it's basically a, called the color code of awareness, and it basically trains them in how to walk into each and every situation with an awareness. And so they color code it. The uh, color code condition white is the unaware. That's how they they would view most of us. We're unaware. We walk into a setting like this and we've lost sight of what's around us. We're not really aware of the people that are around us, the stories, the gifts, the beauty. We're not thinking about that. We're just coming in unaware, maybe thinking about ourselves. We're daydreaming about lunch and how long will this guy go on and on and, you know, instead of being aware. So condition yellow is the relaxed alertness. Condition orange, focused alertness. But condition red, which is ready to act, which is what I, what I sense God is saying. It's, it's time. This is, this is our time in history to be ready to act. And we'll talk about this. Awareness produces focus, and focus produces direction. And in order for us to be aware, we have to let go of some things. We have to let go of ignorance. We have to uh, understand that faith isn't sticking our head in the sands and reciting scriptures like magical incantations. But faith is training and looking our problems square in in the eye and declaring the reality of God's word. Seeing God's word as the air that we breathe and breathing that word. Because the air you breathe is the culture you exhale, and you live in a world at war. You and I were dropped behind enemy lines, so to speak, a, a world that breathes contaminated, chaotic, confusing things. It's the Bible describes as the way of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We breathe in the way of religion, the manufactured, manipulative way to the divine, to God. We, we create lists trying to manipulate God. And then there's the way of Jesus, the air we were created to breathe, that God desires. But we have to let go of perspectives, stereotypes, positions. And so what I want to share is awareness of three things that I think will help us to understand the times, know what to do and to know the right time to do it, to sharpen us. Here's the first one. We have to be aware of the brevity of this earthly life. Brad, that's not encouraging. <laughs> Let me read some, some passages of Scripture. James 4.14 out of the message. It says, Now I have a word for you who brashly announced today at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business, make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You know nothing about You are nothing but a wisp of fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. I love that. We see that throughout scripture, right? When Jesus encourages Peter to throw his net to the other side. If he says so. I'm not sure if this guy knows anything about fishing, but if he says so. That's how we're to architect our lives. If he says so. Not did, did the latest guru say so, did God say so? Like when Joseph was told to, to gather for seven years of abundance and then there was seven years of famine, when you listen to the voice of God, sometimes he says, hey, this is the time. Take it up and to the right. But sometimes he says, hey, slow your roll. This is a season of rest. I need you to lay fallow for just a minute. That, that's how God talks. Gurus say up and to the right at every moment right? But they're not the creator. They're created. Psalms 90.12. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Psalms thirty nine four. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. How many of you pray that prayer on a pretty regular basis? Yeah. It's quiet in here. Sorry. I mean, to me, that's a rifle scope prayer. That's a Look through your scope, put the, uh, the crosshairs on living the life God created you to live. Now, I know for many it's like, I don't like to think about that, Brad. I love what one person said. He says, we have to think about our, our mortality because as humans, we lack the intelligence, if we don't think about it, to live with intention. So true. Thinking about death isn't pointless, it's purposeful. It allows us to understand that our time on earth is, doesn't just go on forever. But let me give you some good news. But what the Bible says about death too. First Corinthians 15, 57, thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 58, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And all of 1 Corinthians 15 is about death, but we need some revelation on this subject. Because death in the Bible is described as this, the way of the earth. Now for those of you who have lived long enough, you've had loved ones that have gone the way of the earth, you know that that isn't the final word. Like they're not just in your past, they're also in your future. But the world defines death as the cessation of life, not how God defines it. But our earthly life is brief. So how do we become aware of the brevity of this earthly life? Here's my answer. We number and value each day. So how, how can you remind yourself? Like, how can you remind yourself? Maybe, maybe for some of you it's to start counting the number of snuggles with your kids. Maybe it's to start counting because those of us whose kids are now beyond those ages, while we can still have snuggles with them when they're 60 years old, that's fine. But when they're they're in that moment, in that season, to count those because they won't go on forever. To count the bedtime stories that you read to them. To count the meaningful conversations around your dinner table. To put them on a calendar and mark those moments. Like one gentleman uh, I read about, he placed a jar of marbles by the side of his bed. And he counted how many Saturdays he had left. And every Saturday that would pass, he'd take a marble out. And as the number dwindled, made him more intentional with the time that he had. So many of us. Not even thinking about that. Not even aware. But I, but I find if we're going to have awareness, then we have to be aware of the brevity of this earthly life. Number two is we have to be aware of our enemy. Be aware of your enemy. Now, I'm not a person who subscribes to being devil conscious. I grew up. And there was a lot of thought about the devil and everybody looking for the devil everywhere. I I don't subscribe to that. I subscribe to being God conscious. But, Scripture encourages us to be wise to the atmosphere and activities around you. 1 Peter 5.8 Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How do you know you're aware of your enemy? You uncover his strategy. Scripture clearly calls him the father of lies. He's a deceiver, a discourager. He's a condemner, a confuser. He's a stealer. He's a destiny destroyer. He's an idiot of massive proportion. But he's also defeated, crushed, and decimated. That's what Scripture says. In Colossians, Jesus triumphs over him. But we have to be aware of his strategy. And his strategy is fairly simple. He sends messages. The messenger of Satan. He sends messages of discouragement and condemnation and guilt and shame. He accuses. Uh, he, he's a penetrator. That's the word diabolos, where we get the word devil, describes what he does. He, he's trying to get in and create disruption Can I I just encourage us in 2022 to be a devil doubter? Can we be a a believer in what God has said about us and, and, and practice what Scripture says in James 4? It says, resist the devil. Ephesians 4, neither give place to the devil. Those messages that he's sending to you, send them back. You know, my my wife and I, we moved into a house a few years ago and in the first few weeks we kept getting the mail from the people who used to live in the house, but then years passed and we're still getting their mail, right? And in the beginning, you know, return to sender, return to sender. And a few months ago, you know, all this mail, you know, is compiled together, so I'm just going through the mail opening it and I, I opened a piece of mail that I was shocked by because the individuals who lived in, in the home before we bought it were in their, their upper 80s. And so I opened it up to a medical report that's, that, that caused me to gasp because I was reading the report from him and not me, the, the person who lived in the house. By mistake, unlawfully, I opened this piece of mail. I'm saying now publicly. And I looked over and I was like, oh, this isn't my mail. Many of us have been opening mail from the enemy. We've been receiving messages that, can I just tell you, as as the ones who were created in God's image, the the workmanship, the masterpieces of God, that mail isn't for you. Reject it, return it to sender. The enemy is seeking to destroy, he's seeking to, to penetrate the reality of of everything that God's created you to be. So in in this moment of time, if you were to look back at 2021, and you were to take inventory of the attacks of the enemy, the fear, the worry, the discouragement, just if you were to evaluate your response, because evaluated experience is the best teacher, how how did you respond? And then as you're looking forward in 2022, how will you respond? The clever consider their steps. And plan your counterattacks. We, we say this often here, but it, it's good to be reminded because these are powerful words to, to remind. Um, come in the opposite spirit. When the enemy comes into your home and you and your wife are fighting over the, over the most trivial, stupid things, be alert to the enemy who seeks to destroy and to trigger you. Be be alert. The more I've trained, the more I've practiced, the quicker and sharper I get and go, wait a minute, what are we talking about? Is this really a conversation about Cheez-Its that's causing our home to be chaos? Put the pause button on. Remember that there is an enemy who is trying to destroy your destiny. Number three, be aware of your authority and the spirit of God that lies within you. There's a great man of God who I've read, uh, who's alive during the late 1800s, um, that he, he had a practice every morning. He would get up, he'd look in the mirror, and he would say, God lives in that man. And that's, that's awareness. There, there's a lot of things that I could get up and say to myself. There's a lot of things that you could get up and say. But the first thing, God lives in that man. God lives in that woman. First Corinthians three sixteen. Do you not discern and understand that you are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you, collectively as a church and also individually. I love that. I felt like the Lord gave me something last few weeks. For me, you can take it if you want it. He's like, Brad, stop taking your work home. Start taking your home to work. I like that. Depends on what's going on in your home, doesn't it? But your home is to be a foundation and habitation of wholeness. It's a place where you develop your rhythms. So if there's chaos, I get it. But God establishes the home as the place that is higher than the sanctuary because in, in the Old Testament, when the, when the temple was burned to the ground, there was no place to gather. So they said the home is higher, that your table is an altar, This is a place where things come to die and things come to live. Have meaningful meals and conversations. Guide, direct, teach, and train your children, What's your high-low. Ask them intentional questions. Teach them the words and precepts of God in your home. And and the more that I have trained and developed, not that I've got it all figured out, but the more that I've developed my rhythms of my, my secret place with God, which happens to be in my garage right now, And I take time to be intentional with his word, and I'm stewarding my children and their hearts, and my wife, like, my home has become a stronghold for God's habitation. But your heart is also a home. And God's desire is that that you and I would understand that he has permanent dwelling there. Galatians, I'm not done yet. Galatians 2.20 says, uh, my old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self, the self that I have manufactured that's devoid, disconnected from the source of life. It's been crucified with Christ. It's a, that's a visual right there. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, so I'll live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there, there, there are 130-plus scriptures To memorize, you can Google it. You can Google in Christ scriptures that that tell you who you are in Christ. I mean, there's power in the prepositions in Him, through Him. Like, do you know Him? Like, like a soldier trains with his weapon. Are you aware of who you are in Christ, or is all that you elevate and really give attention to who you are in and of yourself? Can I remind you what the Bible says? In and of yourself, you are nothing. In and of yourself, you have nothing. In and of yourself, you can do nothing. Real encouraging, Brad. <laughs> but in Christ, all things are possible to him who believes. In Christ, I'm not thinking about my righteousness, my perfection, my holiness. I'm thinking about his. It's a substitutionary work where I now take on the identity in Christ. And I'm not, I'm not thinking about me as much. Thank you. Like over the last little while as we dig into, which is important to understand our childlike heart, that God is restoring and redeeming, and we look at some of the situations that have triggered us and caused traumatic emotions. God also wants you to be reminded to continue to declare the reality of who you are in Christ because that gives rise to the identity, the security, the acceptance who he's made you to be, and that is real. It is valid. John 1, 12 says this, but to all, guess what that means in Greek? Oh, three of you. Yeah, you got that. Joke. Yeah, all. All who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, the word right in Greek is exousia, and it translates privilege, capacity, authority, jurisdiction, power, strength, liberty. To all who believe... And accept to all who will think deeply and train and build this and reinforce it, they have the right, they have the power, the authority to become children of God. And all things are possible to him to believe. God's desire is for you and I to understand the times, know what to do, and know the right time to do it. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now there's some theological depth here, but I like the picture of being handed keys because keys denote access. They denote control. God's given us the keys to the kingdom. And how do you become aware of your authority and God's spirit living within you? Here's the answer. You fully accept your new identity. Declare the word of God as a reality. Picture yourself with mental clarity. And dress in the wardrobe of the words that he's spoken. And what that does is it causes authority power to come out of you. You're no no longer uh, praying Larry the Cable Guy prayers. Lord, I apologize and bless the pygmies in Africa. You're no longer praying... Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights, Dear Baby Jesus Prayers. Weak. You're praying as a son and a daughter of the king. You're you're taking scripture. You're looking at the prayers of Daniel, the prayers of Paul, the prayers of Jesus. And you're using those as weapons to establish your authority before the enemy who is defeated. You and I, we're not just pawns to be controlled by our feelings. Our feelings are not to be the leader or lord of our life, they are to be expressed. I told our men this on Friday. Listen, women are not the only ones who have emotions. Humans have emotions. But you've breathed in the air of a culture that's told you you can't have emotions. So you don't express them, you suppress them, you sedate them. It's causing disease. And you need to build connections and relationships. You need a Christ-centered community, a band of biblical brothers to be able to find a training and path to do that so you'll stop carrying weight. I had a guy lift 100 pounds over his head, a sandbag, and I told him, stay strong, brother. Stay strong. That's what men often hear. You can't. The weight of responsibility The weight is crushing because you've believed a lie. Send that message back. God created us as humans. Didn't say that in another service. That's for you guys. You're in control of your mind. You're not going to lose your mind. You're in control of it. And sometimes what we want from God is we want him to be something he is not, a possessor. God help me, which means God do it. I don't want to have to think. I don't want to have to train. I don't want to have to walk with you. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what I've experienced. I have to walk with him. I have to train. I have to develop. And so he's given me and you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And in order to bring the kingdom to earth, we have to understand the times. We have to know what to do. And we have to know the right time to do it. I love how David, in Psalms 42, he says, Why art thou cast down? I'm going Kings James on you. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I love it because he's talking to his feelings and emotions. So what's wrong with you? Hope thou in God. You can do this. I can do this. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And if you read the whole thing, it's powerful. Offensive weapons, not defensive, offensive. Ephesians 6, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Spiritual armor to train, to develop. God's given us to that. And so we make time. We make space to be aware of the brevity of this earthly life. To be, to be aware of our authority. To be, to be aware, right, at this moment in time for us to understand the enemy and his tactics and strategy. Awareness. So uh, here's, here's what I would like to do. Those of you joining us online, those of you that are here in this room. I just want you to close your eyes for just a second. I want you to think about the messages that you have been receiving. You're too old to fulfill the destiny. It's too far gone to win the hearts of your children. They're all grown up now, so why even try? You're too young. You're too messed up. You don't know enough Bible scriptures to step out. Whatever it is, whatever you've been receiving and allowing to dictate your direction, I pray that you would stamp those messages. Return to sender. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at GatewayLife.com. Have a great week.